You're listening to In The Company, a podcast about humanizing work and designing better working lives. Each episode is curated to provoke you to think more deeply about things that matter in your career and life and how to build your toolkit for how to thrive as a human in business today. We explore how we work from the inside out. I'm Kylie Lewis, and it's great to be in your company. Welcome. Today, we're in the company of Cherie Rubenstein, a former corporate lawyer who made the leap to found OneRoof, Australia's leading co-working space for women-led businesses. Sheree is an expert in curating spaces, programs, and communities that nurture and inspire female entrepreneurs to thrive. One Roof has established a presence in four cities across Australia and the US and built a global community of over 10,000 women. In 2015, Sheree was nominated as one of Australia's top young innovators by the Foundation for Young Australians, and in 2016, she was awarded the Victorian Young Achievers Leadership Award. Welcome, Sheree. Thanks, Kylie. Now, we're actually recording this podcast for the Women in Business Week of the Victorian Small Business Festival in the amazing surrounds of One Roof. So thank you for literally having us in the company today. Absolute pleasure. So before we jump into chatting about One Roof and what you've achieved for women in business and also you as a female entrepreneur yourself, um, I'd really love to start with just understanding a little bit about who Small Cherie was and maybe how some of the things that you love doing as a really young person have contributed to what you do today. So this is going to sound really funny, but when I was growing up, my parents ran their own business. Um, And so my dad's an electrician. Um, They ran a big industrial, mechanical and electrical business and had a lot of staff and and ran part of their business from home. Um, And over the years, it was a very small house with three children, and over the years it grew. So it started with just my parents and then they had one secretary and then it grew to about seven secretaries and we, you know, I was away for a week. When I came back, the living room had been turned into um, an office space um, and we had IT people coming in and out and we had lawyers and accountants and business advisors and I'd come home and there were people in my bedroom and um, it, it sounds totally crazy. But um, what I really loved was actually immersing myself in what my parents were doing. And I didn't realise it then, but I was learning so much about, you know, what it, what it is to run a business and um, the challenges that they were facing and the, and the people and the teams. And, you know, I, there, were, there were at one time seven or eight women working in the house, so I felt like I had seven or eight mothers every day. So... Um, it, it really, it was something that I embraced and I, I love learning and I learned a lot and I would sit in the meetings with them even though I really didn't know what was going on. Um, and I never saw myself as an entrepreneur or a business owner growing up, ever. Um, you know, I started my career as a corporate lawyer, uh, but there was obviously something that I'd learned from a young age that really drew me to that and it must have, you know, ignited a spark in me that I carried with me until I ended up starting my own business. Mm. So can you tell me about maybe what some of the uh, core beliefs that you now have as an entrepreneur? Sure. So... One of my core beliefs is that um, everybody feels fear. I think 
Um, for a long time, I thought that successful people never felt afraid. And one of the greatest realisations I had was everybody feels afraid. Of course they feel afraid. It's just that they feel the fear, but they push through that fear and they channel that fear to do, you know, to, to talk on stage even though they feel scared or whatever it is that, that um, they're feeling fear about. So, yeah, successful people feel fear is number one. Um, number two, and Kylie, I actually got this from you. So it comes from um, Brené Brown, and she says that you can either feel, you can either be in um, comfort, you can either, what is it, be in comfort or courage, um, but not both. And um, I just, yeah, I really live by that. I think that when you, you come from a place of courage over comfort, you learn so much and that's really where the magic happens. And the more you put yourself in places of courage, the more you learn and grow and, and become the best version of yourself. Um, the third belief I would say is that um, not to mistake uh, kindness for weakness and um, I think that as a leader and an entrepreneur and, and someone who's trying to drive change, kindness is so important um, and I carry that with me as well in everything that I do. Mm. And I feel like being here under one roof, that it's absolutely the embodiment of your core beliefs when I see that. So I'm really excited. So should we dig into talking about one roof and what it is? Yes, definitely. So would you like to tell us about what the vision was for One Roof and how it, and how it exists today? So um, when I started One Roof, I, um, I come from a corporate law background and when I was working as a lawyer, there was, I had this realisation that as a woman, it, is, it, is more, it can be more difficult to succeed. And that was a very stark realisation for me. Um, and that led me on a journey of asking lots of questions, doing lots of research, running focus groups, talking to women and trying to understand what holds you back, what holds you back in business, in entrepreneurship, what do you need in order to succeed and in order to overcome those barriers. And what kept, kept coming out of those conversations was women want a place where they can go to, a safe place. They want a network that they can tap into. They want education and resources. And so from all of that came this idea um, that I called One Roof. And One Roof embodies this notion that we provide everything a female entrepreneur needs to thrive under one roof. And so to test the idea, because, you know, when you come up with an idea, you have to test a minimum viable product and see whether people will actually buy into that concept. I ran a one-week pop-up in an Airbnb-listed home in St Kilda. It was a two-story mansion. We converted it into basically a co-working space for women for a week and literally turned the owner's bedroom into a meeting room and the living room into a hot desking space and the kitchen into a brainstorming room and really designed every single day so that it was jam-packed with programs, meditation, experts, um, events every night. And over that one week, 400 people came through the doors and engaged and we got spot corporate sponsorship and just so much hype around this one week. And that was the, the validation that we needed to say, okay, this is something women want, let's do it. Since then, One Roof has become um, Australia's leading co-working space dedicated to women-led businesses. 
Um, and so at its core, it's a shared office space for businesses to work from. We provide the offices, the internet, the meeting rooms, all the facilities that you need. And we've designed it in a way that we've thought about women and what they want and what will be appealing to them. It's not, exclu- it's not you know, women only. It's just, it's female centric, which I think is a big difference. Um, and even more than just being an office space, it's about the support that we provide. And so that's everything from, um, you know, uh, open office hours with experts to brainstorming sessions to networking events. Um, it's all about how we provide the tools, resources and support to women to really see them thrive in their businesses. So in what ways then is it different from traditional co-working spaces? So... I would say that One Roof puts the support and the community at the core of everything that we do. I think traditionally co-working spaces are about being a shared um, office space and in a cool environment where you're sharing the office facilities and the resources that are there. One Roof is about providing the tools and support. And so for us, it's the community. You know, we think about the people that we get in here. We really put a lot of effort into that. We have very strong values and ethos that really, you know, underpins everything that we do here. Um, we we put the, the coaching and the mentoring and the curated connections and all those things first. Um, and I think that has made one of what it is. So many of the women who have come through here say that, you know, they, they'll say to me, Sheree, you call it a co-working space, but it really doesn't do justice to what it is. It's a community and it's so much more than that. And they stay not really because it's an office facility as much as you need that, but because of the support that they get. And they're productive in this environment around other people who are working hard. They're networking with interesting people. They're really you know, it's it's affecting positively affecting their mindset, and it's giving them the tools and the education that they need um, in order to significantly grow their businesses. So, why do you think it's important to focus on on women led businesses in particular? I so you know, I guess it's pretty undisputable, indisputable that. Um, Women are underrepresented at every stage of the entrepreneurial journey, whether that's working from co-working spaces, attending accelerator programs, um, uh, acting as CEOs of ASX-listed companies, accessing um, funding, um, uh, you know, uh, building large businesses, global businesses. So you see the the lack of female representation um, yeah, that goes across the board and there's a great report um, called the the GEDI, G-E-D-I, um, Gender Entrepreneurship Development Index Report um, by DELP that looks at 30 countries analysing the conditions that foster high potential female entrepreneurship. Um, and Australia is actually the second best place in the world to be a female entrepreneur, according to this report, but it also finds that no country has achieved gender parity in entrepreneurship. And so you see this is a universal problem, um, and there are a lot of factors as to why this is the case, and so it's, it's um, you know, a social and economical need, um, and that's why we focus on supporting women-led businesses. And women will often be the ones that do start businesses in order to have some level of control over their careers as, as it fluctuates with, cha- you know, personal changes that go on in their life. So, 
Absolutely. And to add to that, what I find so interesting is the gig economy and, you know, the the idea that it's becoming easier and easier for people to start a business. And so you are seeing women, um, you know, the, the opportunity for women to start businesses, particularly when they're on maternity leave, um, it's it's growing exponentially and, and this um, kind of freelancer, consulting, independent contractor economy is growing um, and that's creating greater opportunities for women and people everywhere to start businesses. Um, I read a statistic recently that 45% of women who go on maternity leave don't go back um, to their job and also another statistic that um, 75% of women who go on maternity leave want to start a business and you're just you're seeing um that trend and I think that it's really exciting yeah and supporting women to actually have the skills and knowledge and the connections as you say with the community to take it beyond just that small startup phase into something that's more sustainable so not necessarily bigger but more sustainable and more um, purposeful and in line with you know the needs that they have Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. And that can be as little as helping, you know, our members here to access, you know, to get media coverage or to connect them to a potential new client or to corporate sponsorship. It's not necessarily about building a massive startup. It's about them having the tools and resources to build the kind of business that they want to build. And if they do want to build an empire. uh, Yeah, then that too. Yeah, yes, totally that then too. Um, So what do you think are the biggest barriers to women starting their own business? So I think there's so many barriers. I think one of the key um, issues is unconscious bias. Um, And I think that that is an issue that, you know, men and women, we all experience it. I am so conscious of it myself. Can you explain what that is, maybe for people who haven't heard that term before? So unconscious bias is where you you create a stereotype for um, a, a specific kind of when, when we're talking about um, gender, a, a specific kind of gendered role. Um, and so you, you see as examples, there's a lot of research to, to show that girls from a very young age are taught to be perfect and princesses and, you know, to act like a lady. Um, and as that kind of manifests throughout their life, you see that, you know, when it comes to starting a business, you need to have courage and be brave and women aren't necessarily taught that and that becomes this kind of unconscious bias and stereotype around women. Then, you know, we then think women aren't able to start businesses, they're not able to be brave, they're not able to take risks. Um, these, kind of, these kind of unconscious biases affect, you know, the decisions that we make. Um, it also comes down to things like, we like people who are like ourselves. Um, again, and um, Sheryl Sandberg talked a lot about that in the in her book. She's the COO of Facebook, Facebook, and she talked a lot about that in her book, Lean In. Um, and so you see that um, you know when you have uh, so many men in positions of leadership, you tend to find that men will choose and promote. Um, people like themselves and so again it comes back to the unconscious bias around you know not it it, it creates the difficulty of us being able to um, encourage gender equality because because you can't see it yeah 
You can't see it if Correct. you can't beat if you can't see it. Mm. Correct. And and unconscious bias affects us on a subconscious level. We don't realise that we're doing it. You know, we don't realise that we're hiring someone because they're like us and they look like, like us and, you know, we see ourselves in them. Um, and so this is affecting the ability of us to create gender equality across business and entrepreneurship. Um, I'd say another factor is mindset and confidence. Um, you know, it probably does play into conditioning and unconscious bias that's happened for us, um, for women from a young age and throughout our lives. But um, you, you definitely, you know, the yeah, confidence and mindset is plays into so much of everything that we do. And I find most women who walk through the one roof doors, they are so capable of building good solid businesses. And the only thing getting in, in their way and, and the only thing that's stopping them is how they see themselves and their mindset. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's many other factors, but I think they're kind of two of the key ones. I think we're having conversations about it, but we're not doing enough. We're not acting enough to, to create that change. One more thing that, that you brought up is you can't be what you can't see. And so I think it's also super important to be showcasing women and the work that they're doing and, you know, the, them pushing through their own fears and giving things a go and taking risks um, because that encourages other women to step up. Mm, that's right and as you said going back to your core beliefs every successful person also experiences fear so when we can normalize that and understand that you know you don't have to be this kind of impenetrable superhero you know um, courage pouring out of every pore kind of person to actually do it um, courage actually comes in the doing absolutely yeah one of the things that I'll add to that that I do often is I'm, I'm um, on panels and do and you know presenting in keynotes and public speaking and public speaking has been a massive fear for me for a very long time and I've done so much of it that to this day I still feel the fear immense fear every single time um, but I push through that and when I stand up on stage and, and tell my story and talk about it I do it because I want to encourage other women to feel that fear and do it anyway and often I will even explain it like I will actually call it for what it is that this is a fear of mine and I keep hitting it head on time and time again to overcome that challenge um, and so many people say to me they wouldn't in a million years think that I even felt scared or they, they don't notice it but um, yeah, I, I try to practice what I preach and do a lot in my life that I do purely to encourage other women to, to do the same. Mm. So one of, a fav- one of the favourite quotes of mine, which actually became the name of this podcast, was taken from a woman who gave a fantastic um, spoken word piece at TEDx Women in 2016. And she actually talked about being in the company of courage. And that's actually how this podcast came to be um and so that that such an important piece to actually be around other women who are also striving to be more courageous in their life it's everything it's everything and i always say to people be yeah be around people who tell you you can and yes think big and yes that's a crazy idea but do it and Mm. exactly and and being surrounded by people who also feel the fear but do it anyway that that completely shifts your mindset Mm. so what has been the most surprising lesson that you've learned in helping women in their own business um I 
think it, it goes back to um, the mindset piece. I feel, I think my greatest realization is that if almost every woman I meet is competent and capable and um, pretty much has whatever they need in order to, to build the business that they want. And the only thing that holds them back is their mindset. Um, by the same token, I think it's, you know, it also surprises me how quickly you can shift a person's mindset and um, by by encouraging them to step out of their comfort zone and kind of doing your little bit to elevate them and give them some words of encouragement can create all the difference in a person's life. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's how much your mindset can stop you from doing things, but then also how easy it is to actually help someone, give someone that tiny little bit of courage and confidence to push through that can create all the difference. That's right. So just a few, it, it can even be just a few words. A short conversation with somebody can absolutely turn their world around and alter, shift their mindset permanently. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what might be the downsides for women being in business for themselves and how, I, how might we counter that? I meet a lot of women who um, I find have created almost like um, an isolated, that, that they can be quite isolated in their journey. Um, and so I think that comes from, you know, if they are the primary carers, they're spending a lot of time of their children, they're spending a lot of time at home, they don't have a lot of time to network um, they don't naturally have a network of people to tap into um, who can support them. And so I think there's this tendency of women kind of create like naturally and then um, subconsciously creating a bit of isolation around what they're Happy doing. independence. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do I, it all. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also a perfectionism, um, yeah, a perfectionism idea and you see that all the time I, I see women saying, you know, I'll encourage them to take meetings or, you know, it's time to go and pitch to an investor and they'll say to me, no, I'm not ready. My LinkedIn profile isn't good enough. No, I'm not ready. My pitch deck isn't good enough. And, I, and yeah, so I think it's um, the isolation and the perfectionism that w- women have this tendency towards and it's finding ways to overcome that. And so, you know, when I created One Roof, that was one of the biggest things that I wanted to combat. You don't have to be at One Roof every single day to eliminate that feeling of isolation. But if you ever attend an event at One Roof, if you ever come and hang out at One Roof just for the day, that shifts so much in, you know, your thinking. You can come to One Roof for one hour on a Tuesday at lunchtime and we run a mastermind session and you bring a business challenge to the table. And so this might be a business challenge that you're sitting at home mulling over. You don't know how to solve it. You've Googled it a hundred times, but you haven't asked anyone. You know, you it's that exactly that hyper-independence of, I can do this myself. And in one hour, you come to a workshop and you share that challenge and you have 10, 15 other people in the room who can say, yes, I've been through that before. Here's what I did that can change everything. Um, So it's finding ways to overcome that isolation to get rid of perfectionism. Like the biggest thing I learned going from being a lawyer where it's all about you have to be perfect before you speak, you have to be perfect before you send an email, you have to be perfect before you think – 
to being an entrepreneur where you don't have the time, money, resources, you are too tired, it is impossible to be perfect, and by the time you wait for it to be perfect, it's too late. And so you have to get out there and test it and try and have meetings and pitch something well before your website is perfect, your your logo is perfect, before any of it. In fact, I often say to people, don't even build the website. Just go out and talk to people and sell something before you've even built that website. So many women won't do anything, and it's not just women. So many people won't do anything until they have a business card and a website, and I try to completely shake that up and get people to think about, yeah, doing that in the reverse and testing it and selling something before you go and create your perfect, um, you know, brand of who you are. I wish this was actually a video recording rather than just an audio recording so you could see me like totally like (laughs) nodding like my head's going to fall off my neck in what you were saying because that's completely also what I do in supporting startups is you there's no point in waiting to get it perfect because even what you think is the right thing is much much more likely to pivot or to change or to be modified once you pressure test it against reality and so, yeah, start your Instagram account now and start talking about what you're going to be doing and, um, you know, start putting out there what you're doing so that when you actually do have the card and you do have everything, you've already got networks to then talk to and promote to and, and who are interested in what you have to say. So big, yes, head nod um, on this side of the table in the discussion today. Awesome. And I just want to add to that. It's so vulnerable to do that. And I talk to women again at One Roof about it all the time. In fact, a woman the other day said to me, she she was like, am I crazy? Like, are entrepreneurs crazy, Sheree? And I said, I don't know, maybe in a way we are. We've completely lost the comfort of, you know, a a stable, financially secure job and we're hustling every single day. Sure, there is a lot of craziness in that, but um, you need to embrace that. Know it's vulnerable. Know it is incredibly hard, but know that we're all going through it and it is the only way that you can succeed is by pushing through that and know that you don't need to know what you're doing 100% of the time. You learn by getting the feedback and it's okay to walk out of a meeting where somebody says, your idea, you haven't worked it out properly, here are the things that you need to do. And I think women often feel like, you know, the rejection of like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm shit. I don't know what I'm doing. It's personal. It's all my fault. I can't be an entrepreneur rather than that self-doubt, um, uh, you know, um, Mark Manson actually calls it the, the feedback loop from hell, which I loved. I thought that was such a great way of saying it rather than going into that. It's just walking away from a meeting like that and saying, great, I just got awesome feedback. I'm going to go away and implement that feedback and do it again. And I'm a stronger, more informed person because of it. Absolutely. And if I'd sat on the sidelines and waited for it to all work out, like you said, it's too late. And you're never going to have it all worked out. No, because nobody does. Yep. And yep. if you feel ready, you've waited too long. Mm. Oh, that's a good one mm. as well. Um, but you mentioned then vulnerability um, and how it is such a vulnerable act and embracing our vulnerability is, is essential if we're going to do something brave and put ourselves out in the world. And, you know, having a business card or a logo is not going to be enough of an armour to protect us from, you know, being open and, and having our ideas out in the world that not everybody is going to fall in love with and being okay with that because there will be some people that do. Mm. Yes. So you've got to work on focusing and finding them. Yep. 
This episode of In The Company is brought to you by the 2017 Small Business Festival, which is run by the Victorian Government in Australia and is designed to help startups and small to medium businesses go from strength to strength. Check out the festival website to find free and affordable events all across Melbourne and regional Victoria throughout the months of August and early September. There's over 500 events, including workshops, webinars, mentoring and podcasts just like this one. Visit festival.business.vic.gov.au to learn, grow and connect. Um, Can you talk to me about some of the business models you see as emerging for women in business? Um, I think that uh, coming back to the the gig economy and the concept of building online businesses, I think that is really interesting. Um, And, you know, the ability to build a business from anywhere. Um, And so, you know, I I see women who um, run kind of virtual assistant businesses um, or do uh, consulting work at the same time as kind of dabbling in other things or working in a, you know, in a corporate at the same time, building e-commerce businesses, um, marketplaces, I think are really interesting. And we, we're seeing a lot more of that And Australia definitely has um, a lot of, you know, that, that marketplace, online marketplace um, type of business. Um, yeah, I, I really think that you know, most of the women I meet when they start a business, it comes so much from a place of passion and something that they have really, um, it's been such a, a struggle or an issue for them and they want to make a difference. And I think it's incredible when you when you meet people who come from this really strong place of passion. Um, I think the concept of social entrepreneurship is also uh largely uh, rapidly growing and particularly in Melbourne you definitely find that um, and social social enterprises are businesses that are um, for profit um, but at the same at the same time as putting a lot of uh, they put equal emphasis on the economic return as on the social impact um, and so a great example is street the the coffee, Um, or thank you, or um, who gives a crap, the toilet paper. So uh, they are really interesting, incredible, fast-growing businesses. I'm also seeing a lot of the the B Corp um, certification. Again, um, that's a certification that kind of marks your business as one that's ethical, um, you know, uh, kind of works by a certain standard, has a very clear core purpose, um, treats their staff well, and it's a very rigid, um, rigorous process that you've got to go through. And that then means once you're B Corp certified, um, you really, other B Corp Corp certified companies want to deal with you. And I think there's, yeah, a a great growing trend of that. So we actually interviewed Alicia Darvel of B Corp um, as part of the series of podcast for um, Small Business Festival. So if people are interested in finding out more about B Corporation, they should keep an eye out on um, the episode that we've done with Alicia Darvel about that in particular. But it was interesting, as you were talking, and I was thinking about the idea of business models, it almost came to me that we almost have our own personal version of a business model. You know, when you were talking about juggling, um, you know, a, a juggling a, a side gig with a corporate gig or, you know, perhaps being in having multiple revenue streams from multiple different sources, it's almost like instead of actually going and saying, I'm going to create this kind of business that's already well known for its type, we've, we've kind of 
created a sense of how do we create our own version of our own personal business model, if you like. Absolutely. Mm. And I I think that's an incredible growing trend that I find really interesting. So um, there's a statistic that says by 2020, 40% of the American workforce will be independent contractors, freelancers, consultants. Um, and obviously, Australia is slower, but we do follow those well, trends. we're already sitting at around 30%. Are we? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so I just think that comes out of, our, you know, this desire to – it's like lifestyle design. I want to design – I want to work around my life and, you know, there, there's greater opportunity to do that today. Um, and so, you know, it means that there are so many different ways we can start businesses and, you know, um, where we can work from and how we work and what kind of um, work culture we create or the people we employ and where those people are. And I think it's it's very empowering that you can really think about what kind of life do you, like, do you want to have, what values are important to you, and you build businesses around that. So before we come to talking about you specifically then about your choice to start One Roof, I just wanted to backtrack to when you were talking about um, B Corps and, and social impact. And I understand that you've built that also into having for One Roof to have social impact. Can you just give us a, a quick run through of what that means for One Roof? Yeah. So the core of One Roof is the, the purpose of One Roof and why it was set up is to support women-led businesses and to give them the resources and the tools to thrive. And underpinning that is to um, yeah, to level the playing field in terms of gender equality in entrepreneurship. So that is that drives everything that we do. Um, how that play plays out is that as a member of One Roof, so you pay a membership to be here, and that will vary depending on whether you're in a private office or hot desking or what how much you know how often you want to be here what we provide our members um, without them having to pay extra is all of that support and I've touched on a lot of it already but it goes very deep and that support can be spending time with me one-on-one and offering business coaching and strategy I do that at no extra cost and our one roof team will do that Um, we understand, our entire team understands every single business that comes through here, what they need, who their client is, and how we can connect them to that. And so we've had um, members who, you know, I've connected them to potential clients or um, uh, helped them get corporate sponsorship. I connect them to, we connect them to investors. Um, We really take the time and energy to find out what they need and find um, ways of supporting them. We also do a lot to ensure that um, we create opportunities for our members to speak and and we're constantly finding ways of getting our members um, in front of large audiences and, and, and speaking opportunities. Beyond that, we offer scholarships to certain um, to women who wouldn't otherwise be able to afford to be here for a certain period of time. Um, we have lots of social enterprises and not-for-profits who work out of One Roof and we offer um, scholarships and um, subsidies to them. Um, we do a lot to support um, YGAP and they uh, run a program called YHER, which is um, an accelerator based in Africa for women who run social enterprises that support women and girls in their communities. And so we've donated 
um, a percentage of our profits to that program. We've, we've, you know, I went over there last year and volunteered as a facilitator helping to run that program. We're doing a fundraiser at One Roof in, in um, a couple of months. Um, and so that is uh, a one way that we um, give back and, and we're constantly finding ways to give back. The other thing that we do is we'll provide lots of coaching and mentoring um, both to women and girls um, and that comes in lots of different ways. Um, we have lots of work experience students working here, lots of interns who come come in and out. I provide one-on-one on one coaching regularly at no cost. It, it's very much a part of everything we do and so it kind of just filters into everything that we're about and it just it drives one roof and it drives me. So as well as supporting all of those women and doing all of those things, you are yourself a woman in business um, and you've mentioned already about your your leap from being a corporate lawyer to, I guess, in many ways, a social entrepreneur. I think you would call yourself a social entrepreneur. Um, so what's the t- toughest moment you've had in your own business in getting one roof up on the ground and ha- off the ground and uh, how did you get through it? Um, so I would actually say I, so two challenges. I think the first challenge was realizing that I am an entrepreneur. Um, that probably held me back in the early days. I, I tested the idea with a business partner. I didn't know that I was going to start a business. I didn't know that she was going to be my business partner. I didn't know that it, it took me a long time to even be able to to say that I'm an entrepreneur. And I think that just held me back in my confidence and how. I spoke about it. Um, once I I owned that and I realised it, um, it opened up amazing doors for me. And, and what did it take for you to own it? I think it's just going to meet so many, going to lots of meetings and kind of sitting there feeling the discomfort of saying that I'm an entrepreneur and I started a business and you go through that discomfort and kind of recognising it and then sitting back and going, why am I doing this? Like I, I am running a business. I, I want to own it. And I, I think when we ran that one week pop-up and the success that we got out of that and the positive feedback um, really helped. And then I also did a, a pitching competition a couple of months later with the Foundation for Young Australians and that was in front of 300 people. I don't think I've ever been more scared in my life and you had two minutes to pitch your idea um, and I won that and I won a $10,000 grant and I think that was just a, a realisation. Like I can't not say I'm an entrepreneur and I'm running my own business um, by that point. So I think it's it's um, realising your own fears and 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 just understanding them and then also it was the validation that I, I kept getting from people around me that helped me to just step into it and own it and realise I need to do that in order to move the business forward. Um, the other biggest challenge I've had uh, since kind of in the last two and, two and a bit years that I've run One Roof, which is not that long actually, was I started with a business partner and... Um, Uh, Gianna, she's American. She was living in Melbourne when we met, but then after we ran the pop-up and tested the idea and decided we were going to do this together, she moved back to the US and we spent two years running the business from the other sides of the world. And, you know, it was amazing to say One Roof is in Australia and in the US and we're in four cities and and it sounded great, but it was really challenging. And um, 
the markets were different and they were were directing us in in different ways um, and that led us to actually separating and she started another business. That was definitely the most challenging thing that I've gone through. I, you know, started this business with a business partner and I think she gave me so much of the confidence to start it. Um, But I'm so proud that between the two of us we've been able to maintain our relationship and there's been, it's been you know, very challenging, a lot of tears, a lot of um, frustrations, a lot of misunderstanding. But the best thing is that Gianna and I have communicated everything and have so much love and respect for each other. And so many people have said to me, how have you been able to maintain a relationship after going through that? That's very rare. And so I yeah, take a lot of pride in knowing that we've been able to hold on to that incredible love and respect for one another and she's still in the space of supporting women just with a different business model and we're totally there to support each other Mm, so kind of like a business um, conscious uncoupling kind of process yes yeah Uh, yeah it it really did feel like a divorce but it it you know I wouldn't take anything back and I think you, you kind of you don't anticipate those things and these aren't this isn't what I wanted but you realize that it's kind of becomes the only logical, reasonable decision. And, I, you know, when you start talking about equity and ownership and money and things, you, you have to bring it back to what's important. And for Gianna and I, we were able to get through it by realising the most important thing is maintaining our relationship. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you, you mentioned just before was that you won a $10,000 grant. Um, so often one of the things that I think hold, holds women back is the idea of either giving up a you know a, a reliable stable salary to go into the uncertainty of the unknown um how did you fund the rest of, i'm assuming that it would have cost more than ten thousand dollars and that as, as a corporate lawyer you were on a pretty good wicket um for a while there so having courage to walk away from that um even with ten thousand dollars in your pocket i still am wondering how did you secure more funding or investment or how did you financially float it so, um, it, so I got a very small um, loan from my parents, very small, in addition to the, the grant that I received from that competition. And then from there, it was very much, how can we do this in the most economical, smartest, efficient way? And, you know, I think a lot of people think that when you don't have money and funding and resources, you can't build a business, but actually you build a better business because you have to be resourceful. And so everything that Gianna and I have done has been, how can we do this in the simplest, most economical way? So running that one-week pop-up, um, you know, we'd come up with this idea of a co-working space for women. Uh, some people could have said, okay, we need to get funding, we need to get a 10-year lease, um, you know, this is what we're going to do. How do you know whether the idea is going to be successful or not? So right from the beginning, it was always about doing it small, testing. We got corporate sponsorship. We got support from uh, people in the community. We got friends and family to help, and that has carried us all the way through ever since. Um, in terms of having the space that we have now, which is, you know, over a 1,000 square metres in an incredible location. That uh, was because I had a conversation with Central Equity, who are um, property developers and they own this building, and we negotiated an incredible arrangement that meant that I'm not paying market rent on, on this building. I never thought anyone would 
would even be willing to do that. I mean, they're doing it purely to support us um, and it's really not much more than that. Um, and so that was a, this incredible lesson that um, when you ask for things, you know, I think that there's um, a fear around asking and I never thought that if I asked for this, I could get anything like this. And now I run a space with over 70 businesses working out of here and they have offered incredible sponsorship. Um, that has given us the leg up that if, you know, if we didn't get that support from Central Equity, we would never be in a place like this. We've also been sponsored by Optus. So, you know, they've provided the internet um, for free. Again, like that was just asking and I, I never expected them to say yes. But, you know, again, a great lesson um, in asking. And in terms of how we've fitted out this space, again, it's just been what is the easiest, most economical way of doing it? So we know we, we have people who tell us every time there's offices that are closing down and have furniture they want to get rid of. So a lot of the furniture we've gotten here is almost been for free. Um, the Foundation for Young Australians donated a lot of the desks that we have. Um, all the artwork sits here on consignment uh, and is for sale and rotates all the time. Um, I built a lot of things myself with my partner and my dad. So we built the stage, we built the bar in the event space. Um, my dad's an electrician, so he's done all the lighting. We painted the walls ourselves. So, you know, I've gotten a little bit of help, but most of in terms of um, financially, but most of the time it's been through corporate um, in-kind support, corporate sponsorship, and really just finding very economical ways of doing so just ask, 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 and and just get your hands dirty. Yes. And making stuff happen. Yes. Yeah. Paint the walls yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> Grab a paintbrush. Yeah. Grab a paintbrush. So what are some of the pr- practical aspects of running a business that women should get right from the outset? You need to be clear from the beginning, and this can change, but you need to be clear about what the financial model is. So if you're coming from a place of seeing a problem in the world that you want to solve um, and you're passionate about solving that problem, that's great. You have to have a financial model to support it. You've got to be super clear about what your revenue streams are, what you expect you can um, generate each month and what your expenses are going to be. And you need to be on top of that all the time. Um, I think that that's just number one. Um, I think in the very early stages, you will also want to think about your business model. And one great way of doing that is there's a, a basically um, a business plan on a page and it's called the business model canvas. And it's really, you can Google it, but you know, and, and download it. Um, and I think that we did that in the very beginning of when we started One Roof. And that just gets you to think in a very simple way, concise way. You know, we don't do... Um, 100 page business plans anymore it's irrelevant it's not necessary it's a waste of time test your idea before you even write a business plan but I think having a business plan on a on a page where it literally gets you to think about what is your value proposition in a sentence who is your customer segment who are your early adopters what are your monthly costs what is your monthly revenue that helps you to be really clear about um, what it is that you're that, that you're selling and how to articulate that. Um, I think it's also really important to think about who your customer is. 
uh, and that can change, but it's just important from, from the outset to say my customer are, you know, is a woman um, between the age of 25 to 35 working in corporates. She tends to work in, um, you know, legal and consulting um, organisations, like actually building that profile um, and then you you can be super clear about who you're going out and selling to and other people can sell on your behalf. So, and that changes. It always changes. These things change. We test it and, it, and we can often never anticipate where it's going to go and we have 12-month goals and five-year goals and all of that changes in a day. But it's important to have that idea around who you're selling to, um, what you're selling and what the costs are. Uh, you know, and revenue streams are associated with it. Yeah. So you mentioned the Business Model Canvas mm-hmm. by Alex Osterwelder, which is fantastic. So people can download that for free. Yep. Um, and the other thing that you talked about was knowing who your customer is. And there's, um, you can also Google um, Empathy Map, um, which is a fantastic tool to actually get people to stand in the shoes of the people that they aim to serve and consider all of the things that um, that person is thinking and feeling and hearing and what their pain points are and um, and that kind of thing. I found that to be a really effective tool and have done that with my clients as well. So I'm so glad that you brought those up. But awesome. get your finances right. Get your revenue model right from the beginning. Um, and if it's not right, tweak it. Don't be afraid, I think, to, to say, okay, this isn't working if it's not, um, and to tweak it and, um, and pivot if you need to. Yep. So what are some of your favourite business tools? I use Trello um, mm-hmm. and I love Trello. That is a great way for our team to, um, you know, it's a task management um, tool and I think that, that um, it's it's just a great way to keep on top of everything. It's, a, it's project management and task management um, and we have a couple of our, uh, our team who work overseas and so it just really helps for everybody to be able to see what's going on, um, to follow the tasks. Um, yeah, I think that that has been um, one of the greatest tools that, that's kept me on top of everything that's going on. Um, I mean, I would say social media just, just generally has been really instrumental in building up our brand um, and uh, being able to convey who we are online Um, specifically things like Facebook Live um, and, you know, the Instagram stories and LinkedIn um, has been hugely valuable in building not just the One Roof brand but also my own personal brand. And and I've found that through these avenues I've gotten, you know, been asked to do so many speaking opportunities and interviews and, and all these things build up not just myself as an expert and somebody who you know, advocates for women in business, but it just really builds the brand of, of One Roof. Um, so what's, the, what's your vision for the future of women in business? I would love to not need to have these conversations, um, for there to be equal representation of women and men at all levels of entrepreneurship, business, leadership, um, just pure gender equality across the board. Uh, and we're talking about business generally. Um, I think that when women have the same kind of confidence, opportunities, rights, abilities um, as men do, then, then you know, we've solved that, that problem and then I can move on to the next thing. <laughs> 
So, Cherie, we've nearly finished um, our discussion today. We, we've, we're coming to running out of time, but what are, the, what are three things that you would like listeners to take away from our discussion today? Number one is feel the fear and do it anyway, and I talk about this all the time. Um, you're going to feel fear, and we've discussed it a lot. Feel it, know it's fear, and do it anyway. Um, number two is feel... Uh, um, put yourself so so uh, put yourself out there and meet new people. I think the biggest um, opportunities that have come for me, particularly when I left um, my corporate legal career and I wasn't really sure exactly what I was doing, I organized so many coffees. I put myself in front of so many people. It got me opportunities to pitch at competitions, to go to conferences, to go to Israel on programs, to, you know, um, help support programs in South Africa with YGAP. I mean, it it was how I met my business partner. It was how I started um, One Roof. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and meet people and, you know, pick their brains and ask them questions and and absorb. Um, It's a very scary thing to do, but put yourself out there and ask for that help. I couldn't encourage that more. Um, I guess the third thing is to surround yourself with people who elevate you and encourage you to think big and think differently. Um, and, and, you know, places like One Roof and events and these are really great opportunities for you to get outside of your head, get outside of any kind of isolation you might be feeling and surround yourself with people who get it. Mm. So it's, it's feel the fear and ask and have great company. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. So we've come to the last part of our conversation today, which is our 10 by 10. So I have 10 questions with 10 seconds to answer each of them. Are you up for the challenge? Of course. (laughs) Feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Exactly. So I'm going to start off with number one. What I like about myself is? My passion, um, which helps me to overcome any sense of fear that I have. I beat procrastination by? Um, By... Using Trello and writing um, lists, and I find that you know when I wake up in the morning, if I write down a list of what I need to do for the day, then I'm very clear about what the day is and what I need to get done, and it feels so good ticking off, you know, a, a, a checklist of tasks. A song on my life soundtrack is. I love um, I Want to Dance with Somebody by um, Whitney Houston and I just love that whole idea of dance like nobody's watching and I think, you know, we should never take life too seriously and we should always find ways for, to, to have joy and the opportunity to dance. A book that has changed me is... Two books. Uh, one is Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In, and I read that when I, you know, was really only just discovering that th- this whole concept of gender equality and my passion for supporting and empowering women. So that was truly instrumental. Another book I read recently was by Cheryl Strayed, and it's called Tiny Beautiful Things, and it's just such a beautiful book about. The, the challenges that we all go through in life and how to overcome them. And she has such beautiful advice and it's so well written. It's, it's seriously a life-changing book. Something everyone must do is... Get out of your comfort zone <laughs> regularly. And the more you do it, the more you feel comfortable being in discomfort and take risks. 
the world needs more people who um, who take risks and who know what they enjoy doing and what they love and what they care about and finding ways to bring that into what they do. Fear and I have come to find a beautiful relationship of um, me realising that fear doesn't mean that I'm not capable and not able and not good enough and not worthy enough. Fear is a natural reaction and it's okay to feel fear. And in fact, you can channel fear into incredibly positive energy. A phrase I live by is? Um, I love, I mean, feel the fear and do it anyway, I I would say is a huge one. I think also we've we've got a splash on the wall here at One Roof. Um, An entrepreneur is someone who jumps off a cliff and builds a plane on the way down. And that was Reid Hoffman, um, CEO of LinkedIn, who said that. And I think it just embodies that idea of you feel like you're falling. It's scary. It's unknown. But we're scrambling and we're creating and the creativity comes out of that, that unknown place. Something that always makes me feel good is... When I see women and girls feeling afraid but doing something anyway, even though they feel afraid, they're giving it a go. When I see women and girls give things a go. And the last one, my legacy will be? That I have followed, continued to follow my passion Um, really supported women and made a difference in the space of um, bringing, you know, gender equality into entrepreneurship. I've empowered lots of women and people around me um, and I've stayed really true to my values and to what's important to me. Sheree, I have to wrap it there. Thank you so much for allowing us to be in your company today. I've absolutely loved our discussion and I can't thank you enough and all the best to the future of One Roof. Thank you, Kylie. That's all for this episode of In The Company. I hope you've enjoyed listening and tucked away a few gems to bring to your working life. To make sure you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to our channel. And if you've loved what you've heard today, please share it with your kinfolk who might also be in the need of some good company. And finally, if you feel so inclined, we'd be super grateful for a review on iTunes. iTunes.